0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, and we are here on the morning of June 23rd, 2022 to hang out, to have some headlines, and thank you all for allowing me a few days there where I wasn't doing headlines or hangouts, uh, primarily because I was on the road, I was doing meetings, I was doing some other things. End of June is when my kids get out of school, so we always plan a few things to celebrate, to get ready for what's hopefully going to be a fun summer, which does mean I'm going to be in and out a little bit at the end of this month. I think we already talked last Friday about the fact that I am going to be in another location next week, uh, and so I'm not sure exactly what my streaming or output will look like uh, the one thing I am pretty sure of is that I won't have anything remotely like this obviously fancy camera that you see on your screen right now. It's it's not very fancy, but believe me, my laptop camera, even less fancy. So I might be doing Virtual Legality Prime episodes, the ones that have my logo in the corner and otherwise talk about uh, topics at hand. I might try to do a Hangouts and Headlines that is just logoed up. I don't know that that'll be terribly engaging. Uh, so we might just take it as it comes next week. Uh, but I did want to make sure that we got in a couple of episodes here uh, because I wasn't able to do yesterday's primarily just because we got in late enough uh, and it, was a, uh, it wasn't going to make a very good episode uh, yesterday morning. So thank you everybody for hanging with me uh, on this, especially as we go through Uh, what I'm thinking of in my head, at least, as a summer of experimenting with how this is all going to work at the same time. So I'm very, very appreciative of the people that are like, what in the heck is Rick doing and and hanging out and and figuring out uh, exactly what we're going to do on a long-term basis? But for everybody here at 7 a.m. in the Eastern time zone of the United States, thank you so much for joining us here and for everyone else in different locations. As we like to say here at the top, where are you hanging out from? I will try to find some of those chats see where everybody is coming from for this particular episode. And then we've got one interesting article uh, about a topic that very often uh, gets out of hand, honestly, if you talk about it in the gaming space, if you talk about it really in any space. Uh, And so Kotaku has brought into the fold of the Amber Heard versus Johnny Depp trial and interview situation and everything that we've seen in the past week, the notion of the movement, whatever you want to call it, uh, called GamerGate, uh, and I've talked about that a little bit in the past. I will talk about it again as we look at this article. I have to also be honest that the Kotaku article isn't really about that; it's just in the headline. So maybe we'll also talk a little bit about using things that you think are going to be SEO positive or otherwise popular or outrageous in order to talk about what you really want to talk about. Uh, and using that headline system that we have to uh, get more clicks, what some might refer to as clickbait, which of course I've been referred to here uh, in some instances. I think that's incorrect, but certainly people that like to comment on content sometimes say, "Oh, you're just you're just baiting clicks." Uh, and so I think this did happen a little bit here in the Kotaku article because the uh, the GamerGate question really isn't brought up in substance, but. We could still talk about it and have fun doing so. Hi from mountainous Australia, Hogue it says sarcastic Australian. So kind of gave the game away there in the username. But hello, Australia, that is awesome. Good morning, Tracy G. I like this uh, this uh, post here. Your avatar it looks like it's ready for the morning, or it looks like the the sun uh, avatar in the Dark Souls games. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what is what is SEO positive? Uh, So that's search engine optimization, right? So SEO is trying to get the robots online, whether it's YouTube, Google, or otherwise, to pay attention to you. And some ways that you get that to happen is that you have a high click-through rate, you get people to actually look in at the article, uh, and so you put things that are provocative in the headline, even if the body of your article, the substance of that article, maybe doesn't actually use that so much. Like, it's not so bad that Kotaku just had a completely different article about a recipe for a really nice banana bread uh, and it wasn't anything to do with their headline, but it really does overemphasize aspects that they know are going to get some clicks um, because you're going to get questions like this. Angela's Amusement says, what is Gamergate? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Unfortunately, I would say it's a more complicated answer than even I can give. It's a, a situation from a number of years back that keeps being brought up that was honestly before I was making content. Uh, But I have had a number of people, really on both sides of the Gamergate question, send me their thoughts, their experiences, their feelings about all of that that went down, I believe, in 2014, I'm going to say. And it is, like most things in life, complicated. Um, So we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're not going to dive too deep into the specifics because, again, I wasn't there. Uh, So we have to be careful about those things that are a high level of sensitivity for some people. Hello from Indonesia. Hello, Indonesia. That is awesome. Good morning from Fort Worth, Texas. Very awesome. What are we talking about today? Right now, we're just hanging out. We will talk about anything here in the early stages of the Hangouts and headlines. I just finished watching Obi-Wan yesterday. You may have seen my tweets about that. Not terribly thrilled with how that show came out, but some people do like it, so you don't have to take my word for it on these things. Uh, Dan Boy says, are we still talking about GG?" which... You see the GG shortening. Some of that is because social media has a tendency to highlight and amplify even saying the phrase. It's one of those kinds of uh, magic things online to to avoid. Um, Let's see what else here. They say gaming media can't function unless they keep mentioning Gamergate. I think there is certainly a portion of gaming journalism that views it as an important touch point. Uh, And so it does get referenced in basically everything. The reason that we've talked about it in this space, of course, is that it already has been referenced in connection with this trial before. Uh, And we talked about it a little bit then. That's when I started getting emails about how different people felt about Gamergate. Um, You know, this is one uh, side of things. Gamergate was about honesty in journalism and where the whole corrupt culture of modern journalism was exposed. Have heard that, have gotten those messages in, have heard people talk about that. Uh, and then we'll see how it's otherwise reflected in uh, society at large. Honestly, we've got some some big um, uh, websites and reports that talk about it in a very different way as a harassment campaign designed to drum women out of either video game creation or video game coverage. Uh, and I have heard from some people that experienced that as well. So I think for the most part, like a lot of big ticket hashtag kind of movements, you get a lot of different people co-opting those labels for whatever their ends are. Right. And since there are bad people in the world, a lot of these movements get co-opted by bad people, at least on the margins and edges. And one of the ways that we watch these kinds of things, whatever the hashtag might be, whatever the purpose, whether it's good or not, is how those movements handle bad actors and uh, you know malicious activity on all sides. Uh, and a lot of them fail to do so because a lot of them aren't really centralized. They aren't really coordinated and organized. Uh, so I think that's the kind of thing that happens here. But again, that's speculation from me because I wasn't following this at all and doing that kind of thing back then. But I can tell you that I have a lot of diametrically opposed messages from people that say it's about the the, the catchphrase, ethics in gaming journalism, and no, it's a harassment campaign specifically against women. Um, And so what is it? Well, society, Wikipedia, NPR, some of the places that we can look here have decided it's a harassment campaign. Uh, And so that's what's being brought up here in Kotaku. Uh, but it is interesting. And we'll talk about my kind of brief interaction with this again, not in a real way, uh, as part of this uh, discussion as well. Uh, what else we have going on here? Uh, we got spoilers in, in about Obi-Wan in here. So be careful with those. Uh, can we talk about not headlines? Uh, GG is political, not social. We got some of those here having lunch and listening to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I thought GG was good game. It is, right? It's, it's what you say at the end of a match. When if you're me, you get absolutely curb stomped in some kind of video game that revolves around some kind of Twitch skills that you maybe used to have in your youth and no longer have. And they say GG because they feel bad for the old guy that just got absolutely killed uh, at whatever MOBA he's trying to play. Uh, ALV. Hey, Hog, new to the channel. Just want to say I love the way you compose yourself with integrity. I appreciate it. I certainly try. Always ensuring you're respectful and show as little bias as possible in pursuit of truth. Very cool. I do try. Thank you so much. It's very nice of you to say. Uh, let's see. We've got various people describing Gamergate in different ways um, out there. We've got uh, Dan Boy says GG is, uh, started as journalistic integrity, turned into a culture war between gamers and feminism, now used to paint in broad strokes, Uh, that matches up with some of the stuff that I have heard about it. But even saying that gets you labeled as a Gamergate sympathizer in certain corners of the internet, Uh, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. We do have some uh, super chats here, let me get those. Uh, Britt Cormier says, things we did not learn from Gamergate, A, nothing is automatically true just because either a woman says it or legacy media publishes it. And B, people that are caught doing shady things will use victimhood as a shield. Uh, Well, I think those are aspects of that, certainly. Um, And certainly the first one, nothing is automatically true ever from anyone. Um, And you can always use your critical thinking skills. You can always use, hopefully, what we're doing here in Hangouts and Headlines to look at what somebody has said, what somebody has testified to, obviously, that we've talked about extensively in this space, what somebody has written, uh, and evaluate those things for yourself. Uh, That's part of, honestly, the fun of being an active member of society and reading these things and figuring out uh, what's going on. Now, I wish it were a little less fun. We've talked about that in this space. I think that a lot of the reporting or other things are often cloaked, not just in a lack of objectivity, because objectivity might be more aspirational, a little bit difficult to achieve, but also just in blatant kind of moving the goalposts or otherwise talking about something in a way that hides what actually happened in, in the case. Uh, in terms of people using victimhood as a shield, I think we know that that's a possibility. In fact, we've seen that in the in this trial here and certainly in the interviews that followed it. Uh, but we'll also see how that works a little bit in this Kotaku article, because if you believe that person or if you're just inclined to believe that person for demographic reasons or otherwise, it can be very effective as that kind of shield. So thank you, Britt, for the super chat. I think there's a lot to think about there. Uh, and I think some of it is going to come up in this article that we're going to look at. Moving forward, afternoon from Pretoria, South Africa. And yes, I just want to hear your pronunciation. I went with Pretoria. That's how it reads to me looking at it. You guys can tell me exactly how off I am on that pronunciation. Uh, but I, I see Pretoria. Maybe, maybe, that's, uh, maybe that's completely off. Uh, and I think... Now's a good time to uh, to get into the article here, other than people uh, welcoming Mrs. Hoaglaw into the chat. Hey, honey, nice to see you here. Um, is this live? Now, that's a great question, like a metaphorical, existential question. Is this live? I'm taping it right now. I'm broadcasting it out to you right now. But is it live? Does it does take a little bit of time to go through the internet to get to the place where you see it. And then if you chat, is this live to me? It's going to take me a little bit longer to get to me. So by the time I'm responding to it, is it live to you? Hmm. Thursday morning thoughts. Interesting. Thank you so much. Uh, Yes, this is live. I'm talking right now. Good afternoon from Denmark. Uh, Lol. No, it is Memorex. It's coming loud and clear, though. you got to love the sound on that uh, Memorex. Uh, This was certainly live when I commented. That's right. And if you're watching this and it's the live chat archive, my goodness, we're having fun with existential thoughts today. If you can't tell, I just watched everything everywhere all at once, and that is a heck of a movie, folks. That is something that will uh, you'll either love or think you might hate, uh, but I certainly love it. It might be one of my favorite movies of the year. You're going to want to check that out, as uh, MSCLRHD says, Existential Crisis is with Hogue. Yeah, we'll add that to the top of every Hangouts and Headlines. It'll just be thoughts on the nature of existence, uh, the particles of the universe, and what live really means. Um, So yes, absolutely. It's on my to watch list. Yeah, go watch it. It's absolutely excellent. I'm not going to spoil any of it here. Um, As I said, when I was describing it to my wife and kids, it's about a laundromat and a tax dispute. That's all you need to know. And uh, it goes some places. Uh, Movie was so good and unexpected. It totally was. Was not expecting the existential discussion when I clicked. We like to have a rounded discussion matrix here in Hangouts and Headlines, get to all the conversations, Obi-Wan, Kotaku, good movies, go see Maverick, uh, and everything else. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about that article, though, because it's going to be funny. Uh, All right, so here we have the Kotaku headline. Oh, hang on. Knoxville Buckeye, the door is ajar. Also 156 days. I assume that's when we're going to be playing football against each other our programs. I look forward to it. Should be fun. It's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun time. I look forward to college football every summer, uh, but don't let the summer get you by college football. will be there in the fall, but enjoy the summer while we have it because there's a lot of fun to be had. Hopefully uh, if you get the chance to do that, I know there are people that are watching. There probably isn't summer right now, uh, which is wild to me, uh, but it is summer here in the States. Certainly now, Kotaku. For those of you that aren't familiar with video games, gaming, or otherwise, Kotaku is, I believe it's a gawker website and has a little bit, or maybe more than a little bit, of that kind of tabloidy sensibility. So they they take things that are about gaming and they like to discuss them with a more cultural emphasis, or if you're a little bit less inclined to give the benefit of the doubt, a culture war emphasis. So a headline like this one, Vilifying Amber Heard shows we learn nothing from Gamergate is right in their wheelhouse. It's exactly what you would expect from them when they're going to discuss something that is otherwise topical, like Herd v. Depp, and then combine it with their knowledge base, which is Gamergate to some extent, and try to get people to, to click on it. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, one of the discussions we've had in this space at length, is you know what does lawtube do what do i do what do other people that cover things like a trial like this do or video game news or whatever other news you might find yourself watching if you're watching various lawyers talking about things on social media uh, and whether or not that is uh, allowed in fact we're going to talk about it in this very episode because it's going to come up when we talk about this headline And so I don't have a problem with anybody going and trying to get clicks if there's substance there. I mean, I think if your article isn't useful, if you don't have substance, if you don't present good ideas, I think it's a waste of time a little bit. But I don't have anybody. I don't have any objection to anybody playing the game and saying, hey, this is the way we're going to get people in the door. And, hey, we're going to be a culture site. That's fine. I might not enjoy your content as much, but everybody has an audience. And and that's fine if you want to try to go for that one. But. The issue I have here <clears throat> already in the headline is this subheadline part. People can't stand imperfect women, not in the Dept v. Heard trial or in games or anywhere. Now, we've seen this argument before, right? We've seen the imperfect victim kind of concept that Amber Heard was just disbelieved because she's not perfect. She's gone out in the interviews and said things like, I'm, I'm not perfect. I still love Johnny, all these various things. And I think it's clear that she's not perfect. But as we talked about even in covering the trial, one of the issues that she had is that she really ran a defense that was effectively, I'm perfect. Uh, that everything that happened was a monster uh, in Johnny. Everything that happened was while I was there sitting innocently, really not talking about my state of inebriation or intoxication, all these various things. We don't need to go over that ground again. <clears throat> excuse me, but we do know that when we look at this kind of headline, that we're going to get that, well, she was clearly abused. She was just an imperfect victim. And this is essentially that kind of guardian orgy of misogyny concept. And so that's the spoiler alert. That's exactly what this article is going to be. But we can talk about the specifics a little bit because the headline already has given it away. Now, tying it into video games, tying it into GamerGate, is really, I think the bare minimum that a site like Kotaku can do in an article like this one to tie it into what they should otherwise be discussing, right? So this is designed to just say, okay, well, we're a gaming website. So we're going to throw these various things in because it's not covered very much. Uh, So let's look at the actual substance. There's a picture of Amber. She's not a perfect victim. And I should have some highlights here. So we're going to try to reload this because Kotaku sometimes does this, uh, just tries to load things in the background, kills my highlights and makes me very sad. Uh, as I try to talk about all these things with you, but we'll we'll see if we can get them back up. She's not a perfect victim. Mariska Hargety says in Law & Order SVU, recent headlines say the same about Amber Heard. Heard said as much about herself, but Hargety says she is not making this up. So we have a starting point that's, that's rough, right? So we didn't learn anything from Gamergate, says Kotaku, and we're going to start this opinion piece by referencing Law & Order SVU. Now, it's an opinion piece. You can start these things however you like, but it has a kind of bloggy sensibility to it. It's not what I would generally like to see. Of course, this is just an actress saying something that a scriptwriter has put before her. So it's not a terribly useful entry point for actual analysis of the perfect victim standard or otherwise, but it is where this author started reflecting on it, because as she's going to say here, as we get past giant pictures of Spider-Man, says, I let law and order play on TV while I do other mindless things like scrubbing the floor or scribbling in my journal, like other abuse victims. So we have here kind of the reference, which we can give credence to, uh, to a, uh, experience that this author had. Uh, and this is a little bit like an appeal to authority. I have special information. I have special experience Uh, that you should take into account when you read my thoughts here, uh, because I come from a place that maybe has a little bit better understanding than you. Nothing wrong with that. You do see it stated here very early on. We've got law and order, and I'm a victim of abuse. I know I find comfort in a TV show that pretends victims can really win. Now, this is a bit of a bummer at the top. Right. And it's a bummer, basically, if you're empathetic and you say, oh, well, this person clearly is got a certain amount of nihilism or cynicism uh, or negativity towards the justice system, the world, a a coldness there. And that might be justified. We don't have to say that it's not here, but you come at it already and say, "Okay, now I understand where you're coming from a little bit. You're referencing TV shows and you're finding comfort in a TV show that pretends victims can win. Obviously, the corollary to that is. Victims can't win, and you're coming to the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial with that notion, so we can evaluate it as such. Okay, that's the tilt that you have. We can say, all right, well, if you do believe that victims can win in our justice system, if you believe the adversarial process or anything else works or can work, now we've got a little disconnect between author and audience. And certainly, I do believe that it can work, and I watched this trial, and I believe that it did work here, so you're going to have to do some more heavy lifting in convincing me of these things. But hearing Hargitay say these words brought my attention back to our less paradiseal reality. I have to admit, I've never actually seen paradise turn into an adjective like that, where Amber Heard, whose name has been like a neon bar sign at the back of my head for the past two months, is still glued to online vitriol. So I'm watching Law & Order. I'm an abuse victim. Law & Order is a fake fantasy land where victims can really win. And then when I hear her talk about imperfect victims, then that brings me back to Amber Heard. Okay. And that reference to Amber Heard is that she's glued to online vitriol, which is actually a place where I'm pretty sympathetic. You've heard me say in this space that I think there are corners of the Internet that have gone too far with whatever they're doing referencing uh, Amber Heard. But... I think that there's also journalists and outlets like this one, unfortunately, uh, that go too far in saying, well, this is a major problem for all of society because of X, Y or Z. And in this particular case, it's going to be because this particular outlet wants to tie things to bad gamers, to other social movements, things along those lines. And for those of you that watch the trial, for those of you that have been with me for a little bit, you might find this whole concept a little bit irritating. So, word of warning. People keep pushing for her to get cut from Aquaman 2. They do. And posting pictures of Johnny Depp wearing a crop top 38 years ago. You can't do anything online without seeing him smiling and seeing unwarranted hate for her. It feels inescapable and I feel that people hate imperfect women more than they're able to state clearly. And that's an interesting notion here. We'll get to that writing in just a second. But I highlighted unwarranted hate for her. Um, And I definitely think that you can see a certain amount of hate or vitriol uh, towards Amber Heard at this point online. Uh, But reasonable minds really can differ as to what level of vitriol should be ascribed to someone that, especially if you watch the trial, seemingly lied about major things in their life that had the effect of casting a pall over another person's life. Right. This comes back to the various questions of, okay, let's say that we just knew. Let's say that we had God's knowledge of what happened in these various places. And we knew for a fact that Amber Heard was lying about these things. Then should she be punished? And I think the answer is yes. If we knew for a fact all of this, then when we are looking at this, this is a major thing that someone has done to someone else. Right. I react in the middle of the trial to it so negatively because it's a heinous kind of lie. Like if you can imagine yourself in the shoes of someone and separate it out from Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, if you're so inclined, that it has an accusation leveled at them that you know is false and the impact that it still has on your life, it's crushing. And so if we knew with absolute certainty that that was what happened here, then vitriol is warranted, right? We don't want society functioning that way. We don't want somebody using the levers of power, the judicial system, the TRO system, the media system, whatever else you might say, to do this to another person out of falsity. That should really, really concern us. It's the reason that defamation laws survive despite the existence of the First Amendment, that that really matters. And if that did in fact happen, it's the kind of thing that is deserving of punishment. So is it unwarranted hate? I think there's some unwarranted hate out there. I think there's some misogyny out there. But is there a broad swath of society that watched all this, watched all this happen, looked at it and said, wow, if that went down the way I think it went down, then this is something that is deserving of vitriol, is deserving of saying, no, not in our society, not in the way we're going to treat each other. That's not kindness. That's not a way a just society functions. We're going to punish that activity. I think that's right. And do some people maybe not express it the way that I do or would prefer to be it, have it expressed? Yes, of course. I'm always going to advocate for a somewhat reasoned disposition, but I also don't expect that from everyone on earth because that's not how everybody uh, interacts with each other. So I think, is it unwarranted is a question for each of us and it's a question for each case and circumstance and specific TikTok video or meme or what have you. But when you start here, right, the world is cold and can't be won by victims. And you get to here, we're already discounting your position. So when you stay, it feels inescapable. And I feel that people hate imperfect women more than they're able to state clearly. That's not a reasoned position. That is not a position backed by evidence. That's not a position that is otherwise established in the paragraphs that you've led us to so far. It's essentially a raw vibes type statement. And I'm not saying you don't have these vibes, author. That's totally fine. As an audience member, as we sit here and listen to it and read it, it's like, well, you haven't talked to me enough and you have given me enough reason to believe that you're already in this mindset so that when you tell me that everybody secretly harbors a hate for imperfect women, I don't necessarily believe you. But we're only getting started. No one remembers what the trial was really about. Objection. Facts, not in evidence. I definitely remember what the trial was about, but she's making a point about society at large. But you couldn't escape a single gory detail not on popular Twitch streams orchestrated by cackling gaming personalities, or on TikTok, where Depp worshippers turned Heard's testimony into millions of likes, or Instagram or YouTube. It's everywhere. And again, even though you can't escape a single gory detail, this article is going to do a lot to escape the details that suggest that Amber Heard was lying uh, and is only going to reference things as if it's a known fact that Amber Heard is telling the truth. They're going to lean on the UK trial for that, kind of supposition. And then they're going to point out that there are bad people on Twitch and on TikTok uh, and elsewhere that are apparently all depth worshipers or cackling gaming personalities, which is fine. You know, you can look at this Twitch article on Kotaku. I actually cover that here in Hangouts and Headlines. It's in just the headlines now, I think, uh, if you want to check that out. Uh, but I did get quotes about LawTube t- uh, and, and here in virtual legality and legal bites in there talking about how there's good work being done by folks in this space, that just doesn't pop up very often in the follow-ups. But it is everywhere, right? Everybody talked about this thing. It was a big deal for a couple of months. But contrary to what our information overload would have you believe, this trial wasn't about who people on Twitter find more personable. It's a little bit about that. We'll get back to that in a second. Who has been in the more nostalgic childhood films. Definitely not about that or who looked hotter in the 90s? It was a defamation trial about three vague sentences in a 2018 op-ed where Heard references her personal experience with sexual violence and abuse. So you can already see what we've already seen in the paragraphs before this one, but this author believes Amber Heard, which is fine. That's up to you, but it's going to work as an assumption for the rest of this article that if you don't believe Amber Heard, or if you even have any doubts about what Amber Heard had to say, this rhetoric, this argumentation, is not going to work for you because it assumes the most important premise and doesn't try to convince you otherwise. It just says, "Hey, this wasn't about who people on Twitter find more personal. It was a little bit about who seven Virginians in a jury room found more credible, which I suppose can overlap in certain ways. Uh, but it isn't about Twitter. It isn't about all the rest of the stuff that goes with celebrity." But that is why a lot of people cared and paid attention to it. She does not mention Johnny Depp in the op-ed, but he sued her for $50 million in damages. Now, it seems worthwhile to mention. This is one of these that all the media likes to mention, that Johnny Depp's name doesn't appear in the article, that she admitted on the stand that the article was about him. Uh, In fact, she admitted on the stand that she wanted it to be about him. And so when we talk about these things, this isn't a terribly useful piece of evidence. Before this trial, Depp tried suing for libel after British tabloid The Sun called him a wife-beater, a phrase a UK judge found to be accurate after deeming 12 counts of alleged assault proven. And this points us to a Guardian article, which talks about that a little bit. Now, we're not going to be going through all of this, but you see they reference the 12 times that the judge found there to be a problem. And the first one is the slap with the wino forever story. Heard claimed Depp had got angry, knocked her to the floor, then cried and apologized, saying he sometimes turned into the monster. The judge accepted Depp used the term to refer to that part of his personality when affected by drink or drugs, he would do things he would not otherwise do. And that's essentially Amber Heard's testimony that the judge took uh, on face. Uh, Los Angeles 2013, uh, Heard alleged Depp was enraged that she had hung a painting by her ex-partner, Tasha Van Rie, near her bed and tried to set fire to it and hit her so hard that blood from her lip ended up on the wall. We heard that story. Heard described Depp as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde on a binge. The judge concluded Depp had drunk whiskey and taken cocaine before the assault. Okay. Hicksville, we got a lot of discussion about that. He allegedly grabbed the woman's wrists. The allegedly is there as interesting as describing a judge's findings. He is said to then thrown glasses at her, ripped her dress, damaged the cabin they were staying in. The judge found Depp had been angry when the assault occurred. And these are all the kind of suppositions here. The problem is, right, we saw all the evidence that Amber Heard had to present. We saw the holes in even those stories. I'm not going to go through the whole Guardian article. That isn't mentioned at all in this. And and it's fine if you're an author or an op-ed writer and you want to ignore some of that stuff because it's not terribly useful to your position or you don't find it credible yourself. That's okay. But As we heard from Natalie Shore when she was in this space, it is a good idea when you're talking about argumentation, when you're talking about writing an opinion, to at least discuss the things that run against you. Talk about the reasons why they don't work for you. At least mention that they exist because anything else looks like you're pushing stuff under a carpet somewhere, hiding it under the bed, whatever else it might be. And that's exactly what this article does. It doesn't talk about all the reasons why there's a problem there. It doesn't talk about, for instance, in Hicksville, that nobody else corroborated Amber's story that could see and hear that, that the manager comes in and says it wasn't actually a a knockdown, drag out fight. There was nothing broken in the trailer, despite what she had to say. All of these various things that happened that called her credibility into account, none of them come up because the assumption behind the scenes is that she's telling the truth. It's unsurprising that the judge ruled this way. This article continues. It's unsurprising, right? Because that's what happened, according to this author. You've probably seen Heard's face purple with healing bruises or Depp's bleeding middle finger, which he gives conflicting accounts on how he severed. Heard threw a bottle. It got smashed in a closing door, though he agrees that he used its dripping wound to write Heard-threatening red messages. Now, this is an interesting little bit of the article. Because one of the things that is argued here is that Heard should not be disbelieved because she misstates things or because there's conflicts, because she's an imperfect victim. And like so many other aspects of this particular case that I personally find interesting, is that you can turn that on its head. You come here and say, well, he gives conflicting accounts on how it was severed, though he agrees he uses stripping wound to write Heard threatening red messages. Herd's, uh, Depp's finger was severed by something. Uh, we can all agree on that. And the fact that he might give two different accounts of that, I believe he tells the doctor it's a it's a closing door, uh, is not too difficult to believe when you otherwise have Amber Heard herself giving, I think, two or three different accounts, depending on her witness, about what happened to that. Was it smashed with a phone? Was it cut with a knife? Was it otherwise harmed in some way that I can't remember from the various witnesses that brought up? But this author is using that to establish that Johnny Depp's probably lying. He gives conflicting accounts. She was bruised when there's all sorts of reasons to not believe uh, the photos or even the photos as they relate to the accounts that she gave on the stand. And then Johnny Depp never really admits to writing a red message. uh, And the red message itself very very much seemed to come from Amber Heard, even though she denied writing it, she denied knowing who Carly Simon was. Uh, And all of this stuff comes up, but not in this particular context. He sent vile text messages. We've talked about those. Heard lived through Depp's proven abuse. Okay, now this is where you have to start to get concerned if you're Kotaku or if you're otherwise writing these things because um, Amber Heard just went to trial about whether or not Johnny Depp abused her. Amber Heard was just found by a jury in Virginia to not have truthfulness in those statements or the implication of those statements under Virginia law. And now you're going to write, Heard lived through depth's proven abuse, but her name and the abuse victims she represents, which is exactly what's in that op-ed, imperfect because we're crying, because domestic abuse is emotionally naughty and Heard said she still loves him, are thrown away. Our stories are scrutinized, denied, because why? Well, in this particular context, they're scrutinized because that's what the judicial process is designed to do, is to go and get to the heart of a matter. And they're scrutinized because we are trying to not allow defamation. We're trying to punish people that engage in illegal activities. Uh, And the jury found that Amber Heard did that. That is the process. Now, I think the underlying accusation here, which is not quite made in this article, is that the jury itself was misogynistic and didn't believe in the imperfect victim or the imperfect woman or what have you. It's implied, it's not outright stated like it is in some other articles. But in terms of your stories are scrutinized, they have to be in the judicial system. They can't just not be scrutinized or allowed to go on because there's a whole host of bad acts that can happen from that process. Now, do you think Amber Heard was a vitriolic figure online because she's crying, because domestic abuse is emotionally naughty and that she still loves him. No, that's not why people reacted the way they did. At least it's not how I reacted the way I did. I don't want to speak for everybody on these things, but it's because when that testimony goes up and there's not extrinsic corroboration and it's unbelievable to start out with, and the evidence doesn't match what you even stated, and it matches better with what Johnny Depp said, that that's the process that you look for from the judiciary, from a jury, And I can't look at it and say that I think that they got it wrong. I can understand being upset about this. I can certainly understand as an author being upset about it, especially if you are an abuse victim, as this author says at the top of the article. But I really do think that people that write with a platform that talk about these things have an obligation to try to talk about them in a reasoned way. And I think this article is already failing at that pretty significantly. It can't just be about movies. To me, this reaction to Herd's imperfections is a deluge of hate that has always existed. Sometimes it gets buried. In the beginning of the Me Too movement, believing women was more socially acceptable because women banded together, Never mind the fact that everyone already knew that Harvey Weinstein was a piece of crap. But then there are darker times in pop culture, like when the world laughed as a broken Britney Spears lashed out at swarming paparazzi with an umbrella, or when Gamergate sneered and drew an ugly line in the sand. Women, especially complex women, aren't welcome here. Now, let's talk a little bit about Gamergate. Let's talk a little bit about lawyers and LawTube and TikTok and everything else because, well, it's been brought up. And by brought up, I mean that Eve Barlow recently had a tweet that said something along the lines of this. YouTube have allowed internet journalists, quote, unquote, to monetize Amber Heard's pain throughout the Depp versus Heard trial. Sign the petition to put an end to hate for profit, and then they bring up a picture. They've got umbrella guy here at the top. They've got Alita, they've got Nick Riccata, they've got Emily D. Baker, and they've got DUI guy talking about, or at least quoting from sources here, various articles uh, that they have uh, read and and money that they have made covering this particular case. And the accusation, of course, is that they are engaged in quote unquote hate. For profit. And of course, I reject that. But we can see if we go through to this petition that 761 people have signed, that they're going to tie this all to Gamergate. YouTube content creators such as that umbrella guy are making thousands of dollars off of videos which currently go against YouTube's own policies concerning targeted harassment. Content that features prolonged name calling or malicious insults based on someone's intrinsic attributes is what is referenced here. <coughs> Oh, excuse me, and I can't promise that this isn't happening on some of this person's channel or another person's channel. I can promise it doesn't happen on my channel, um, but the overall coverage of the Amber Heard versus Johnny Depp case doesn't require anyone to be doing name calling or malicious insults, uh, certainly based on someone's intrinsic attributes. But what are the attributes that they want to bring up? These attributes include their protected group status, physical attributes, or their status as a survivor of sexual assault, non-consensual intimate imagery distribution, domestic abuse, child abuse, and more. And this and more is how YouTube always operates. What is illegal on YouTube? Who knows? YouTube decides on the day. But obviously I think a lot of you can see the problem already with this particular claim against people that are otherwise covering Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard, which is the notion of, does she have this status? Right. A jury just found that her statements in The Washington Post were fundamentally false. Does she have this status? I would argue that at least as it stands right now, it's an open question when you've got the UK trial and you've got the Virginia trial. But it depends a little bit on what jurisdiction you're in, et cetera. But I think there's a very clear argument against her having any status like this because of what that jury found. Now, they want to tie this, as I promised, to Gamergate. We know in 2022 that social media is used to promote harassment. It's true. That can certainly happen. Certainly 2014's GamerGate became the template for malicious action online. And that template has been utilized both to radicalize viewers to certain political philosophies and to harass and malign individuals. So this links over to an NPR article from 2019. So this is three years back called how GamerGate became a template for malicious action online. We're not going to go through all this. But I just wanted to kind of characterize how this as a concept is presented out to the world. Uh, NPR refers to it as an anonymous harassment campaign against women in video game development and journalism began five years ago. Eventually known as Gamergate, it became a template for malicious action online. Now, as described to me from others, Gamergate was named as such because a number of articles came out about how I think that the term gamer uh, shouldn't be used anymore because it was inherently gatekeeping-ish or something along those lines. And I apologize if I'm getting this wrong, everybody. Um, but like that's why it came out. And then people started reflecting on the fact that all these journalistic articles came out at the same time with kind of the same premise, uh, et cetera. And then it either morphed into or always was a Trojan horse for harassment of women in video game journalism. Uh, and otherwise. And then it gets reported like this, right? Like when you got NPR reporting it like this, when you've got Wikipedia and others, like this is what Gamergate is to a lot of people, regardless of what it might have been to those participating. in it. And I know there's conflicting reports on that, but when it's referenced in a place like Kotaku, it's for this purpose, right? This month marks five years since the beginning of a leaderless, mostly anonymous harassment campaign targeting women in the industry, developers, and journalists anyone who called for change in the way women and people of color were represented in leadership or in games themselves. Now, I mention this because it's a weird kind of phrase and it's a weird kind of social movement now in 2022. And I have to admit my own tilts on this. I have been framed in certain areas as a Gamergate sympathizer or apologist, which is interesting to me because I really have no... Uh, specific uh, statements about this movement or otherwise, I was named as such primarily in certain forums and blacklisted and these kinds of things because of things like headlines, right? Because of things like virtual legality episodes where I say, well, that's not the way that you should actually be contouring that message or reporting on this, and this is a problem with the way you describe this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that I'm talking about improving, hopefully, improving journalistic outlets, especially in gaming talking about these things. And that essentially got turned into, well, he's an ethics and gaming journalism guy. That means he's pro-Gamergate, et cetera. The weird part about that, as you can imagine, I think I've mentioned that in this space before, is that ostensibly, Gamergate doesn't have anything to do with ethics and games journalism by the time you're looking at definitions from NPR. right? So I have said to people, I've said, look, I'm not interested in harassing anybody. (laughs) This is the last place on earth I want to harass anyone, uh, including realistically people that harass me or right, you know, I've gotten into social media exchanges in the recent past with people who have said various things about this channel or otherwise, and I invite them onto the channel to discuss their positions or otherwise, because I think that's important. I think it's always important to give voice to these things. When you enter chat, I think there's a little thing that comes up that says no ad hominem attacks, because I think that takes away from reasoned discourse, from reasonable minds can differ. Heck, reasonable minds can differ itself is against that kind of thing. But because I talk about journalism, And because that the journalists that write these things, the authors that write these things, including the author here that we're talking about in Kotaku, uh, may or may not be a member of a specific demographic or class. A lot of people think for whatever reason that that is a Gamergate type move. So I'm at least a little bit sensitive to the concept here and to the reference because I don't feel like I'm a harasser. I don't feel like I'm otherwise engaged in that kind of thing, but I do get labeled and painted with that brush. And it's because of the combination of things that happened back apparently in 2014 and people tying all of those together. So, hey, if you comment on journalism, then I guess you're a part of Gamergate, which I guess means you're a part of harassment. It's this weird kind of a Byzantine logic loop that winds up with me blacklisted from places when I never said anything uh, against anybody uh, on those particular scores. So Gamergate, I think, is a concept is useful to certain corners of the Internet to muddy the waters, to paint people in such a way that it's not terribly great for them, uh, but maybe doesn't make logical sense by the time you get to the end state of discussion. But I did wanna mention it because I figured a lot of people aren't necessarily uh, up on what it means to various corners of the internet or what it even meant back in 2014. But that's the reference here, right? Is that Gamergate Sneered says women aren't welcome here. And we're gonna bring that in to talk about Amber Heard. Complex women can't be perfect, this author says. People, including other women, want physical beauty, the virginal porcelain face of Jane Eyre, not the wild-haired Bertha Mason, the man locks her in the attic and somehow she's the crazy one, or in video games, the pink princess peaches, the curvy Lara Crofts. So people want physical beauty is a weird kind of stance to take here in this portion of the article, right? Because I'm not sure that anyone doesn't think Amber Heard is a pretty lady. You've heard me say that. Uh, I think she is outwardly a beautiful lady. It's understandable why she got parts in movies. Nobody is really judging that uh, against her, I don't think. Now, you do get some articles in these various spaces that say, hey, she's too beautiful. And that's why people are otherwise um, uh, not believing her, I guess. Uh, But in this particular case, it's complex women can't be perfect. People want that, but they also demand emotional perfection, quietness, level-headedness, no conflicting facial expressions like Amber Heard had, sobbing one second, and sober the next. This definitely happened, right? People don't want to see anything that indicates that this woman, pretty as she is, is really just a human. She makes mistakes. Sometimes she hits back or she misspeaks. Yeah, I think we can all agree that she sometimes makes mistakes and and certainly defaming another person is a mistake and society has a cost that they put on a mistake like that one. But but this is entirely discounting the credibility question, right? That what you have a jury for in the room is to evaluate the credibility of the person before them. Now, if you want to challenge the entirety of society, the jury process and everything else, you can. You can write that article that says, look. If you've got these systemic biases and you're evaluating on these premises, then it's always going to be a problem. But for the rest of us who looked at this case and evaluated the evidence and said, oh, Amber Heard is acting bizarrely and it's not very believable when she says these various things and in her demeanor and her tone, that's not very believable elsewise. But even if you were reading the transcript here, you would see what was claimed doesn't match up with the photos, doesn't match up with the other pieces of evidence, doesn't match up with the testimony of her friends, or doesn't match up with various other aspects of the case. You could just read it robotically and come to that conclusion that you can't just discount the fact that it appears that she is lying. And again, Amber Heard doesn't have to be a representative of all women. This is just one person who has the agency to lie to make these decisions and that you don't have to believe Sometimes she hits back or she misspeaks is doing a lot of work to effectively apologize for potentially very, very bad things. Imagine that this was being said of Johnny Depp. Sometimes he makes mistakes. Sometimes he hits back or he misspeaks. You wouldn't let that go an inch into your article here. And yet this is what's presented in this particular context. When a woman misspeaks because the situation she described was so painful she wanted to forget it, because a litigious man with as much power and money as Depp has tried smacking the memory out of her, defamation anybody, I want to say the world will come to her aid. We're supposedly post-Gamergate, post Too. I want to believe that we are all now equipped with the basic understanding that abuse is multifaceted, sometimes subtle, always insidious, and confusing. But Heard continues to be abused in the court of public opinion. And as a result, other real imperfect victims know for certain that we aren't supported. Not until we get our story straight or our tears in line. You get your story straight, yeah. That's why I watch idyllic shows like SVU. I've never, ever heard anybody refer to the Special Victims Unit (laughs) Law and Order series as idyllic. It's not real. It probably never will be. But I can't stop myself from hoping. And that's the end of the article. So it's basically evidence-free. It's basically a raw assertion that Amber Heard is telling the truth that imperfect women will never be believed, and Gamergate is barely brought up. So it's a headline that maybe isn't totally useful, maybe is more useful for clickbait, etc. But it's still worth talking about because this is filtering through all these various different spaces in pop culture. right? Obviously, I cover video games the most here in Virtual reality, but I also cover a lot of other things. This popped across my radar as something that Kotaku was discussing and I felt it was important to talk about with you all because it doesn't really do anything except reimagine the other things that we have seen for the past few weeks. And I would expect this to continue. And I have to say, as someone that reads these outlets that otherwise looks for, something outside of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp pretty regularly now, I don't love that this is being kind of echoed and echoed and echoed and echoed around in various places where I don't think it needs to be. Now, obviously, you could say, Rick, aren't you proud of the problem because you just made a video on this? Maybe I am um, because I thought there was stuff to dig into here. Uh, But I think at the end of the day, we're going to have to move on from these kinds of things. And when we look at articles, I'm going to try to take them... Uh, and pick them out for you that have a little bit more meat on the bones in terms of argumentation and rhetoric. Uh, but there will occasionally be these articles like this one in Kotaku that are just pure feelings uh, that we can talk about uh, in this space and, and at least understand whether or not you're sympathetic with that author, which I don't have any problem with one way or the other, that that is a purely emotional appeal without any understanding. And can put you in a bad space in terms of your logic and reasoning. Because when you look at something like that, it can have effect. um, And it can even be better written than the one that we just went through in Kotaku. But at the end of the day, it didn't change anything, right? You saw what you saw, or you didn't, if you didn't watch the trial. Uh, And this is just somebody feeling some way that is different. Uh, And hopefully that person finds some solace in law and order SVU or otherwise finds solace in the fact that the judiciary actually does sometimes get it right. Uh, I hope more often than not, uh, but that this particular case seems to be one where the jury evaluated the evidence, looked at things and said, this person, not all women, not every possible quote unquote imperfect victim, but this woman appeared to be lying. Uh, And so that's the Kotaku article for today. How did you all feel about it? What comments do you have? Obviously having a little bit of difficulty. Thank God for my wife who brought me a tea here or else we'd really be in trouble uh, during this video. Uh, But what do you all think about this? What do you think about various outlets in different places, like video gaming, covering these things, trying to tie them to gaming movements. What do you feel about Gamergate? Uh, I'm happy to chat with you about all those things. Um, But at the end of the day, I really do wish I was seeing more articles that had more substance to them. And maybe we'll find some. So if you find some, as I like to say here towards the end of an episode like this one, send them to me, DM me. I am seeing those. I may or may not respond. I'm trying to respond to everybody when I get the chance. Um, But I definitely see them. I definitely use those to pick out what I'm going to talk about here on Hangouts uh, and go from there. So we've got a few super chats we're going to talk about, but absolutely leave a chat. We'll chat about it um, going forward. And then, you know, maybe we'll uh, we'll get out, I say a little early, uh, but I think these are basically being about an hour long right now, which I think is pretty cool. Gets you started on their workday here uh, in the United States. Otherwise, gets you through a lunch hour uh, if you are otherwise operating in Europe. And, uh, you know, maybe that'll be our baseline going forward. Jojo uh, jo with the super sticker. Thank you so much for supporting the channel. I really, really appreciate it. Britt Cormier, again, thank you for your generosity. Let me see if I get it. Amber Heard was not perfect, so we did not believe her. Does that mean that JD is the perfect alcoholic junkie, so we believed him? Well, I think in that article, you see some of the hand-waving we've seen from the other outlets, which is essentially, well, you loved him in the 90s, or he's been in movies that you like more, or you swoon whenever he smiles. And I think there's some truth to that in portions of the audience base uh, as well. But again, it's all tying things on various sides of the spectrum to your worst actors, right? Oh, if you looked at this and you evaluated Amber Heard is lying, well, did you know that some really bad TikTokers also found that to be true? Okay. And did you know that you're also in a group of people that swoon when Johnny Depp says anything and we're always going to believe him? Okay. That's the human experience. That doesn't change what I've evaluated and doesn't change what I think a reasonable person could evaluate happened in that trial. But we're going to try to paint everybody with the worst brush that we can find, which I don't think is a very effective argument. Britt, again, article did not mention JD is becoming the new state lines for legacy media. Yeah, (laughs) across state lines, right? Uh, Yes, they did not mention JD. They find to be somewhat effective. What's really interesting about that article to me is that it's an op-ed. I'm not saying Johnny Depp's going to sue Kotaku, but it certainly says a lot of things that one could reasonably believe now are effectively recklessly disregarding the truthfulness of the assertion, right? Depp wanted to slap the memory out of her. Okay. Treating Amber Heard as having already experienced that abuse that a jury just found basically didn't happen. Okay. I mean, I don't know what the lawyers at Gawker or Kotaku are saying about these various things or whether they're evaluating it and saying he's probably not terribly excited about just suing all these media outlets that are saying this. And I'm going to use the UK trial as justification, but you don't live in the UK, Kotaku. You are a United States company. So you have to remember what jurisdiction you're living in when you talk about these things. It's an interesting time we live in. Uh, Melia O. Lania uh, Lani. I'm sure I butchered that. I apologize. Hashtag truth for free. Brit again, I will agree with the statement GG has been used as a template, just not in the way they are thinking. In fact, likely exactly opposite of what they are implying. That Gamergate as a shield, one presumes Brit means here, is uh, used as a template for these outlets to avoid criticism. And I think there is certainly truth that whether it's Gamergate or something else, uh, that these outlets or media companies Have a certain recipe book now that they use to try to discount uh, criticism, right? We actually saw this happen with Obi-Wan, which I referenced at the top of this video, which is that I don't like Obi-Wan and I don't like Obi-Wan for reasons I think are fine in terms of evaluating the writing and finding it wanting and the production value and finding it wanting and, you know, basically all aspects of the show and finding it wanting. Hope you like it. Um, But then Disney and Star Wars paint various people in the audience that doesn't like their product with, a, with various brushes and then try to paint that on everybody in a way that I find to be not great. And you saw this also happen with things like The Last of Us Part Two, which I'm on record here on the channel talking about what I had an issue with with that particular product. And it's not any of the issues that they otherwise want to paint people with in terms of the brushes that they know will be somewhat successful. And so I do think that you have seen a certain recipe book for trying to get around criticism, that I hope, again, I'm an optimist, folks, I hope doesn't become the norm forever, and that people get to reflecting on criticism, especially constructive criticism, and making better products. That's what I would like to see. That's the only reason I go out there and say, I think this is wrong or this is wrong, is saying, hey, hopefully the next time it'll be better. Uh, But if you liked it and you don't agree with me, that's okay. Uh, But I would still like to see a little bit more care taken when creating these things, right? Right. Deb Hughes, I'm left wondering if this author actually watched the trial at all. I don't know. There is no statement that they did watch the trial, right? The only statement is, well, you could tell that the UK court said these things and there's no there's no reason to disbelieve them. It's like, well, there is. There's a lot of reason, right? Because we have seen the mountain of evidence. We have seen everything that Amber Heard's team wants to put forth. Heck, we even, if we're just watching at home, saw the proffer, which is everything that didn't get included that might've made their case for them, the thing that they're intending to base their appeal on, at least in part. And it doesn't work. She still looks incredible. She still looks like she's lying about these things. And so people can come to that conclusion and not be awful, awful people. Elizabeth Mullins, thank you for the agency remark. People seem to forget that part of feminism is recognizing a person's agency. For example, her agency to defame JD. Yeah, I think to me, that's part of equality. Right? is that this person can be good, this person can be great, this person can do everything uh, that somebody in a different demographic group can do, but that includes bad things. That includes lying. That includes nefarious activity. That includes subterfuge or whatever else you might want to say. That is recognizing the equality in other people, in other demographics. And people don't necessarily like that, but it is the truth. And I think that's important going forward when we talk about that kind of equality is understanding that everybody can be a good actor and everybody can be a bad actor. Hi, Hoag. How much of this is ego management? Ego management for the author or ego management for Amber Heard? Like I think the author, I I, I have no reason to disbelieve what the author is saying here. I find it not terribly useful in terms of argumentation, but I don't think she's making anything up when she writes this article. Um, But in terms of ego management for Amber Heard, I think that's the interview process. Right. I think what's going on right now is that Amber Heard or her team or both are really struggling with the fact that she's disbelieved and are trying to put some kind of makeup, no pun intended, on that to make it look better for them. That, well, she's disbelieved because societal misogyny. She's disbelieved because the judge was biased against her. She's disbelieved because of X, Y or Z. And I really don't think that's what happened here. Uh, And that's ego taking center stage. Definitely. Apple Pie, H&H is part of my daily self-care routine. Well, thank you. I love having these conversations with you all. I love having them in this space. We're still figuring out scheduling. We're still figuring out what we're going to do next week. We're still doing all that stuff. And you guys are constantly here hanging out with me. And I really, really appreciate that. Definitely. Lucius Augustus, them using GamerGate as a catch-all, bad is finally starting to fall apart. Journalists have no problem pushing lies, and people can now see that. Well, we've certainly seen journalism as a whole struggle with certain aspects of this case and certainly coming out of it. Now, I don't want to paint anybody with a broad brush, so that's individual journalists, that's individual outlets, and we've also seen some good journalism coming out of this as well, although I will admit it seems somewhat less in volume. Uh, But it's certainly the case that if you thought – that the Washington Post would just lie about contacting someone and then lie and lie and lie again, then you've got evidence for that right now. If you just thought that the Guardian or whomever else that we might have otherwise covered in this space could just completely misframe things and try to change the worldview of its readership for whatever purpose it might otherwise have, then you've got evidence for that at this point in time. I don't think that's great. Again, I've said that in this space before. I don't want to tear down these institutions. I want them to be better. I want to be able to trust them because I think that everybody needs institutions like the media because we can't know everything everywhere. And I think it's a real shame when these places are so nakedly doing whatever it is that they're doing right now. But yeah, I definitely think you can see these various things happening after this trial. Helen M., isn't this all defamation by implication? I think there's some potential defamation cases in the Kotaku article, yes. Now, I also think that if I... We're sitting there and Kotaku asked me whether or not this would be a problem. I could say, I think it's defamatory. Uh, And then the business decision is, do you think that something's going to come out of that? Do you think Johnny Depp's going to spin around and sue Kotaku? I don't. You know, the real politic of it is I don't think he's going to go there. I think he's got the defense he wants. I don't think that there's anything else that they're going to move on there. But I could be wrong. And as a lawyer, my job would be to say, this is illegal. This is defamatory. Don't do this. But then businesses and clients do what they want. Right. So, yeah, I think that there are problematic sentences in that opinion piece after the Virginia trial. Of course, the U.K. trial throws things for a loop. It's obviously not our jurisdiction here in the United States. But you have a fig leaf to hang your hat on to say, well, somebody somewhere found that he had done this. So I can use that to say I'm not being reckless about the truthfulness of this. It would be a whole big fight and probably not worth anybody's time or energy. D, most journalism is monetization of the story of others, and the most successful are usually the shameless ones, positively or negatively, because of the audience, right? That goes to the comments of, like, grifters, right, and YouTube and journalism in general, and this is where things get weird, right? Eve Barlow puts in quotes, internet journalists, and I would never claim to be a primary source of on-the-ground reporting of any of this, but I do think that we're doing useful analysis here. I do think that when we talk about trials in real time that that's useful, that that's educational, informational, and a good part of society when we're doing it right. And so there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do that. And if people want to support it with views or likes or ads or super chats or whatever, that's up to them. And there's really nothing wrong with it. It's kind of weird for journalists and journalistic outlets of a more legacy type bent to say, you are doing stories and producing content and making money off of people that found them to be useful or valuable. It's like, okay, what is it that you do? What's, what's your business model again? Because that's what journalism is. Now they, they balk as Taylor Lorenz did in the Washington post that we quote unquote, don't have ethical standards. We quote unquote, don't have rules that guide us like the journalists do. But I mean, I'm a human being. I have ethics. I'm a lawyer which has professional rules of responsibility, aka ethics, I can get disbarred for not following. So in some respects, I have more rules that bind me and my obligations. And yeah, there are sleazy lawyers. There are lawyers that go around the edges and try to do various things that I don't love. Uh, and that's fine, but that's not me. Uh, and you know, I'm not brought up in, in most of these things because it was elitist channel that I was mostly operating on uh, during this trial. And that's fine by me, but I think if you're going to impugn everybody that's doing something like this, you owe it to your readership. You owe it to whoever else is following you or following your lead to go and, and actually say, well, you know, Emily D. Baker is sure as shit not harassing Amber Heard when she's talking about these things. Do you have super chats? And do you have situations where you're streaming over hundreds of hours where maybe there is a harsh statement made at some level, perhaps... But, you know, if you go on her channel, you will find somebody that is trying to look at things from both sides that is in full reasonable minds can differ mode and maybe uses a few more curse words than I do, but otherwise presents as an objective viewer or at least trying to be one and presenting the emotional case to their people. So I'll tell people to go to Emily Baker's channel every day and twice on Sunday. Uh, And I don't view that as harassment or the monetization of hate or whatnot. I view it as the monetization of if anything an important educational and informational tool that isn't properly being represented by the media right now and is a quote unquote market of education to be filled by folks like Emily, you know, hopefully you think of like that about me, uh, but either way that it's, it's wrong to position them as grifters. It's wrong to position them as just monetizing hate and that kind of thing. And I will fight against that uh, to the end. Now, are there people, that do monetize hate? Are there people that make those videos? Absolutely. Uh, And could that even be some of the people that are referenced on that picture? I don't know. I don't know everybody's bit of content. And I certainly think there are people that go too far for my comfort level, even of people that I know. But we have to be very careful with painting with broad brushes because there's something very good here. And it's something that can continue to be good if everybody wasn't so antagonistic towards each other. The media doesn't have to hate what's happening on social media. It should be co-opting it. It should be figuring out how to use that to better inform its own people. Uh, and maybe that'll come one day. L. Bon, if we expect random wiki articles to cite their sources, why don't we expect the same of the journalistic articles? Seems backwards. I will certainly say that I love seeing primary source material in those articles. The problem that you mostly have is in like that Kotaku editorial that I didn't like link out to is that so much of the stuff is um, linking back to itself that in order to get that kind of optimization and to work with Google or whatever, is that they link back to their own stories and they link around their own network of, of content in order to, I, I think, be seen as the robots is more popular or otherwise more useful. So uh, thank you for those super chats. Just a few more here, and then we're going to get on our way on this Thursday morning. Unfortunately, oftentimes in Wikipedia sites, the unscited news articles. Sure. And obviously, as we've seen in this space, news articles are not the panacea we would hope them to be of, of rigorously vetted informational news. Kerry Harvey, there are a couple of smaller law tubers that take it a bit far, but it appears that's their personality. People can choose what they want to watch. Yeah, like I said. I've always described the group effort as uh, independent sovereign nation states. There are certainly some people that don't like me, and there are certainly some people that I wouldn't recommend to go watch um, because they go too far. They do get potentially into that kind of insulting place. And I think it's okay to discuss that and to look at that. But in terms of the broad ones, they're selected by Eve Barlow and and, and generally have that kind of wide appeal. That's not been my experience with them uh, most often. Uh, and so I, I do think when, when we have these kinds of conversations, they are important. You're seeing a seas change. You're seeing a shift in how people are consuming their content on this. And I think that's good. But if you're going to criticize, make sure your criticism is targeted and is direct about what you're talking about and not saying, you know, Emily D. Baker is even the same as Nick Riccada because it's not the truth. Uh, and so you want to make sure that if you're going to criticize these things, you have a good case to bring. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here before we go? Hogue. before you go, what are your thoughts on the new Minecraft game? Is that Minecraft Legends, I want to say? I saw the trailer at the Xbox um, showcase. I think Minecraft is always going to sell a billion. So I think it'll be very, very successful. I'll be interested in seeing what it's like. I think it'll be on Game Pass, like almost everything else they showed. So I will check it out like I do. Uh, And maybe it'll work for me. Maybe it won't. I wasn't too thrilled with Minecraft Dungeons um but uh, we'll see what legends does uh thanks for the question i always love video game questions here joshua ford if you turn Kotaku into a single entity that can have beliefs then you are missing the nuance that outlets are more than one person and that people differ that's totally fair um and i think that's probably something that i fall into uh pretty frequently i would say i would also offer however as kind of a counterpoint uh, that these companies do have positions that they generally espouse and do promote ones that line up with whatever swimming lane that they are in. So you can overall say things like Kotaku is a tabloid-esque thing that likes to talk about culture uh, vis-a-vis video games and probably swings in one direction or another a little bit more than a different outlet that might otherwise have the same kind of bent uh, and so an article like the one we just read is more likely to be promoted, aloud and otherwise paid for at Kotaku than it would be at some other outlet. So you could talk about the editorial decisions of an outlet like the Washington Post or Kotaku or what have you, and still recognize that at the end of the day, it's the people on the byline and maybe the editor, depending. So, you know, whatever Taylor Loren says on that question. Um, and those folks are actually making the story when the institution, the masthead, is only deciding whether or not it's going to pay for that and otherwise publish it. So it's multifaceted, but I think it's a good comment and I appreciate it. Uh, What else we got here? ML, Purple Heart, Purple Heart, DEB tweet is just BS. None of the internet journalists' videos ask people to pay before viewing. No, it is viewer choice to pay or not. I might not agree with all of Tug's videos, but then I wouldn't watch it. Yeah, well, there's certainly a certain amount of volunteerism here, right? That's the weirdest part about the critiques. It's like, if you want a super chat, if you want to send in something like ML for 10 euros, uh, it's great. Appreciate it. That keeps the lights on, helps us make this content. But one of the very first things I decided to do with virtual legality is that basically nothing would be behind a paywall, uh, right? So even with the Patreon and the Utreon, check those out if you're interested in supporting the channel or the YouTube membership. I was never putting anything really behind a paywall Uh, And if I ever do, it would be something like a hangout. It would be chat with me in a smaller group and not anything that I think is informational or educational on substance, because the purpose of all this is to have those conversations and to get more and better information out there. So I made that decision years ago, uh, that none of the stuff that I would do would function on that kind of paywall basis. And even the stuff I do that is paywalled, like on Sacred Symbols, where I'm a contributor, Very often, what I'm doing, and I have this conversation with with Colin over there, is that stuff will get released from the paywall, uh, even though it's ostensibly a Patreon kind of thing, because we're talking about stuff of significance. We're talking about laws, or we're talking about regulatory concerns, or what have you. And that stuff will pop out of the paywall, because we want more and better information out there as well. Reber Umfador, perplexed by the argument that LawTube should be unpaid... Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's because anybody can put a microphone and a video camera in front of themselves uh, and talk out into the internet. Um, but if there's value provided, if there's something that's useful to you, then I think that getting value for value is something that's perfectly fine. And obviously, you know, the more we can get ads, the more that we can get viewers, the more we can get subscribers or super chats or what have you, the more financially and economically this makes sense to do when otherwise, we have families to feed as well, right? And I've said that before. I've said, Look, I have no problem, um, you know, asking for support, asking for Utreon or Patreon. Obviously, if you saw me on Legal Bites, you know, I have no problem asking for support in general. Um, and that to me is just the same notion as business development at the law firm or going out there and trying to convince people that you've got a good product to sell or what have you. If you find that value, you find that value that's great. If you don't, that's great as well. Either way i'm still going to be making this content and there isn't going to be a paywall in front of it unlike some of the places that are having those criticisms right you try to go get that taylor lorenz article from washington post you're going to find a little thing that says um either you can watch this because it's one of your three free articles or you owe us money now and that doesn't happen here that doesn't happen in this space i'm pretty proud of that but i appreciate the comment record me Wik- wikipedia was a great idea but people have learned the game the system Editors can have someone write articles in the media that are slanted and then use those articles as primary sources. God, is that happening? I bet it is. Yeah, well, if you've got a source that is good enough for Wikipedia and you have a friend there, then yeah, you can tweak some articles. There's no question there. <clears throat> Skew SME Hogue just read that the infamous ex-New York Times Washington Post journalist Taylor Lorenz was taken down a peg, demoted to tech news and requiring a number two editor to review all her artic- articles. Ouch. I read that article. I may still cover it. I don't know if there's anything useful there or not. And I don't know whether that had anything to do, honestly, with what we were talking about for the past couple of weeks and and Ms. Lorenz and Washington Post. But it seems like it did. And I think every journalist should want to try to get accurate information out there. And again, as I've said in the past, I don't have anything against Taylor Lorenz. I don't have anything against the Washington Post other than I want them to get good information out there. And they were really failing at that, in my opinion. So maybe this will be better off. Maybe this everybody will do their jobs better and everybody can react to constructive criticism and have a better Washington Post and better Taylor Lorenz. But we will see. Ray Rumpfnore, the current dollar model is totally merit-based. Well, merit is in the eye of the beholder, right? So I think the Washington Post's argument is it's personality-based, that you have to like the person or otherwise like talking to them, want to see a reaction to what you have to say to them. And... sorry about the coughing everybody. uh, today, everybody. You have a YouTube and an algorithm that is otherwise potentially pushing people in a certain direction, right? Like Taylor Lorenz's thesis, even though it wasn't necessarily well stated, was that YouTube was pushing people to be pro-Johnny Depp and that they were making money on that Johnny Depp. And to some extent, that's what Eve Barlow says is that you're monetizing hate YouTube because you're pushing people to be pro-Johnny Depp. And I said, well, that's not exactly what happened here. And and I talked about it at length. Uh, But the overall concept from the legacy media is that these people are mercenaries that will do whatever the robots say that don't have any ethics or rules and that that's how they get people to interact with them. Is that some people on the Internet? I would be willing to bet that it is. Uh, Is it everybody? And is it us? Is it me? I'm certain to say no. Is it us in general? The people I hang out with? No, I would argue. Uh, But... You know, can you come in and say, well, this person is changing their mind or doing this thing because the robots told them to? You can have that commentary, but we will have to have that debate uh, for any given, you know, circumstances where that pops up. But outside of that, yeah, it's very difficult to argue, okay, so you sent me $1.99 just now. Why? Why did you do that? Right? Because you were otherwise getting this content. I was talking to you on this and, you know, hopefully that is quote unquote merit based. Uh, and I'm very appreciative of it because it helps me make all this stuff happen. Um, but if it didn't, if you didn't send in that dollar 99, it still would have happened anyway. Um, so I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, and then let's see, I think that's about a, I think that's a good one to end on here. Uh, drink more tea with honey says tiny, tiny trifle. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to rest the voice after I get done with this episode. Just one of those mornings where you wake up, your, your vocal cords are a little tight. Uh, and uh, you, you can't get in there so well. And then you decide to talk for an hour and 20 minutes to, uh, to the internet about topics of interest. Uh, but uh, I very much appreciate it from everybody. Uh, it says it's worse. Wikipedia has an editor's club with more time than you or I and doesn't allow contrary sources to be added. Yeah, I, the general rule that I've had um, to Wikipedia is that Wikipedia is great for things that are very fact-based and not great at all for things that have any kind of political component to them, right? That you don't wanna use Wikipedia if there's any amount of controversy whatsoever in what might otherwise be discussed. Uh, And so I think, end of the day, you can use Wikipedia, but you have to know what it is good at and what it is bad at. Um, And then people were just mentioning uh, that Legal bites is going to have something going on here. So let me see if I can figure out. Oh, look at that. She is premiering one right now. So we'll see if I can get this to go over. Uh, par- apologies for all this video. As we finish up this video um, and look at bad Obi-Wan commercials, I apologize, uh, and uh, and get you over there because I think that would be fun. And I didn't know she was doing this or competing with our audience. Can you believe Ugh, the audacity? I tell you what. Um, so, just hang on. I've got a couple of buttons to hit to get that lined up, which people recommended. And I think we can do this on the fly. Crazy. So good. <laughs> uh, and I think we have a couple more super chats to go before we get out of here. Bing Yang, greetings from the UK. Greetings, UK. Love the perspectives. Did you ever know John Total Biscuit Bane or watch his content? Um, before he passed, I had seen some of his stuff. Um, and I remember liking it, but I have to admit I wasn't, um, I wasn't like a diehard fan. I saw stuff in passing. So I have heard people, I have gotten emails and things that said that I remind folks of, of him, uh, all complimentary in that capacity. Uh, but I would, I would be lying if I said that I knew most of his positions very well. I think I just, I think I can't remember. He had a way of uh, framing his like reviews with a very specific tagline. And I remember watching a couple of those reviews, um, but, but no more. I apologize for that. $5 for the tea from Jennifer Smith. Thank you. I will have more tea. I promise. Uh, let's see uh, bad Obi-Wan commercials. Oh, Hoga so savage. Look, I, I really disliked Obi-Wan and I was really looking forward to it. I might do an Obi-Wan postmortem. It bugged me that much. Um, but you know, I can only I can only afford to lose so many thousands of subscribers from me just sitting there and going, let's talk about Obi Wan. But in any event, okay, I'm gonna finish up for today. We will be back tomorrow. I have no idea whether we'll be doing any headlines next week. Um, but I apologize for that. For right now, this should send you over to Bites, who's premiering a video right this second. I very much appreciate it. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Thanks so much.